0: Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForge, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur.
1: Welcome to On the Up and Up. I know this episode's title sounds really scary, the biggest mistake new employers can make when hiring their first team member. Um, I just want to say that it is a scary thing to take... Time to hire correctly, especially because a lot of times when you're hiring your first team member, you are in a place where you really, really need help. And we see a lot of companies come to us after making these mistakes along the way, maybe not making such intentional hires, maybe getting bad advice from people that have no business talking about these things. Um, People are complicated, they are layered, and Bringing a human person into your team is compl- should be treated with so much more thoughtfulness and respect than switching over to a new project management system. But we'll often see employers that think of those things in the same way. And this episode is really intended to show you how taking the time to be thoughtful and considerate Considerate about the team members that you're bringing on before you bring on your first person can make the biggest difference in your ability to scale your business. And we will work with clients that have had situations in the past that have made them really scared to hire. Um, They'll talk about having bad experiences in the hiring process or even having tough experiences in business in general that have been wrapped up in the pressure of providing a living for another person. So, while those things are almost impossible to completely work through, I mean, once you start paying other people a salary after starting a business after a short period of time and you start to see the capability of your business to scale and grow, it is no joke to keep up the sales as well as take on this brand new venture of starting of hiring a team member. But that doesn't mean that you do it halfway. If you're going to take the step to go from solopreneur to CEO you're going to be taking that step and hiring support and hiring help within your team in order to scale your business or to just be able to be to have a little bit more of an aligned life based on what you want to do and how you want to live, then you have to take it really, really seriously in order for it to be successful. Otherwise, you are going to end up in a situation where you regret hiring a team what altogether. So we're not here to convince people that are happy being solopreneurs to hire team members. We're here to help bring forth the opportunity and the possibilities that come with bringing other people that are aligned with your views, that you love working with that you love developing and opening up that new chapter of owning a business into being a real leader in your space and to being a leader in the way that you are impacting the lives of your team just as much as you're impacting the lives of your clients. So If you are a person that runs your own business and is responsible for cashing those payroll checks every month, know that you're not alone with the pressure that you feel. I mean, it's something that I struggle with a lot. It's something that is a completely new and different experience that has given me a different perspective, although I've been working in the higher level running payroll piece of the company for 15 years. The last four years, especially in bringing on service providers and employees and contractors and being responsible for their income has definitely unlocked a new type of fear, but it's also the most rewarding thing about running a business. So don't get it twisted. Having a really tangible plan for bringing an employee on your team in giving yourself the best possible chance to be successful is one of the only ways that you can successfully scale your business. Whether it is time or money, you're always going to be investing something in the next level of growth in your business, whether that's through yourself, through ad spend, through hiring um External expert support through hiring a lawyer, HR, accountant, you know, whatever the case may be that gets things off your plate. You do just want to make sure that you are choosing the path that's right for you. And also knowing that when you do this right, it can show you a lot of success, but the world is constantly changing. So if you have to take a step back or you have to lay people off and then you pick things back up once your sales get back together, those are all possibilities As well, and it's okay and you're not letting anyone down. This is part of the journey of running a business is making sure that you're setting up the foundations to be able to make those decisions. So all of that is to say, the biggest mistake that I see new employers make when it comes to hiring their first team member. So you've already gone through that whole emotional journey that we already talked about. You've decided it's time to hire a team member. You want to scale your business in, in this way. You want to get things off your back. You're super busy. The biggest mistake that I see people make is they don't accurately and thoughtfully ideate What the employee is going to do in order to make money for your business, to pay for their own role. So essentially, the biggest mistake I see people make is they're not identifying metrics to ensure that they're getting a return on the investment for the team member. For some reason, we look for an ROI so easily when we're picking out a new project management system or we're hiring a web designer or we're hiring an accountant or we're hiring a bookkeeper or we're hiring a lawyer to file our trademarks. And we see that there is a huge return on the investment that we're getting from having our brand protected, from having a solid visual identity and a visual brand. We see the ROI that comes from making sure that our bookkeeping is done each year, that we're paying less in, a, in taxes because we have a really great tax strategist or accountant that's on our side. But we don't often spend as much time or energy ensuring that we take control of the fact that we can decide what ROI we want to get from this team member before we ever bring them on. So one thing that I often hear people say is people are really complicated, Kira. You're the one that says it the most. And that's all true. People are complicated. They're hard to manage. They have different skill set. You don't always know exactly what you're going to get when you're walking into an employer-employee relationship. But one thing that you can control is the output of your team member to ensure that you're making money on that hire. And I think sometimes people think it's just a luck of the draw. Well, this team member didn't really work out or that team member didn't really work out or whatever the case may be. So when you work with us, we'll help you to build out an organizational plan that's informed by your goals so that we can decide what team member is going to bring the ROI for you. We can help you to construct a job description, a job post, and an experience for your team member, and then show you how to measure what they are producing on behalf of your company to make sure that that ROI is really, really clear. And what we often see is new employers make the mistake of just needing to get some things off their plate and they're not considering the fact of the ROI of the return on the investment of bringing on that team member. And if you're not super clear about how you're making money on that hire, whether it be through time or through um, work product, fulfillment services, any of those types of things, then if we're not able to actually turn that into quantitative data, then your money is basically just being thrown out the window. So while I have seen some advice out there that's pretty good when it comes to making sure that you're getting an ROI from a team member, a lot of the advice that you probably heard is more reactive and less proactive. So, for example, the higher, slow, fire, fast advice. Um, you know, I can I can kind of argue either side for whether or not this is good advice. But one thing that we're not talking about today is that that is a reactive piece of advice. It's putting you in a scenario where you are going to be reacting to the way that your hire is made. So you take your time and you hire slow and then you fire them fast if you're not getting what you need. Well, it's not quite that simple. And actually what you might want to do is to take a little bit more Uh, accountability in regards to the experience that this team member is having. So we want to try to create a situation where you have as much control as possible to make sure that you are controlling the output of the team member in order to ensure that you're getting that ROI. And that's going to come from a couple of different really intentional actions. First is when you're creating that job description, make sure that there are three or four key components, parts, and themes. So if you were creating a job description for a client experience manager, sure, go ahead and brain brain dump everything out on paper, but make sure that there are three really specific themes into the objective that they should be accomplishing every single day. For each section... make sure that you're choosing one or two primary objectives. So within each section of that job, you might have three different, you know, main parts or main themes. Choose one or two things that are the most important. This is going to help you to create a job description that's going to be really geared towards what what's actually moving the needle in your business. If you're noticing that each section is just full of tasks and none of those things are making you any money or creating more time for you to go and make more money, then we need to reevaluate whether or not this position is the right one for your company. It should be really really clear within each of these parts and themes. Each of these three or four main categories of the job role, which of those things are actually going to be making you time or making you money. So at the end of the day, if you're taking a look at your job description and you're not seeing a bunch of places where you're going to be gaining a bunch of time or money on behalf of this person working for you at a lower rate than what you would need to pay yourself or someone else, um, a contractor, for example, and you're spending a little bit of investment and time training them, providing feedback, things like that, then that's a really it's a no brainer it's more of a teach a fish teach a man to fish versus you know, catching their fish for them or whatever that Bible thing is. So at the end of all of this, you know, once you have your job description, you have your each section, you have those one or two primary objectives that you're really confident is going to be creating a return either in time or money on the tasks that that team member is doing. You want to make sure that you're converting those objectives into a measurable number so that at the end of every two weeks, every month, every quarter, you know, whatever the case may be, depending on your budget, depending on their salary and depending on the learning curve you are going to actually see a measurable number. So you can actually say, this person saved me 60 hours of time at $100 an hour I paid them $2500 over the last 3 months but they made me $6000 in my own time those are things that you can make sure that you're ensuring that you're getting an ROI on that team member and then slowly but surely you can hack away at optimizing that job role to make sure that you are continuing to optimize their skill set making sure they're in enri- you're enriching their experience with more training to keep them around for longer because that initial period where you're you're quantifying those primary objectives is going to have a lower output than maybe your second quarter or your third quarter or, you know, your second month or your third month, depending on how much time and energy goes into training them. Because that's the point. That's why it makes... We make more money when we retain our employees. That's why creating a culture is so valuable because that $6,000 that you made, they're going to get more efficient, more effective. You're going to roll in some more optimized systems. Maybe you even have somebody that's hired on to take on some of those more basic level tasks down the road. So that $6,000 or 60 hours that you saved is now turning into you can handle twice as many clients, upping your capacity, but you're still working the same amount of money. Um, or the same amount of time, you're still able to market and bring in more people. So that 60 hours turns into 120 hours. So that person that you're paying only maybe five or six hundred dollars more a month is going to be saving you twelve thousand dollars every single quarter. So now I know those numbers are kind of like whatever, but you know I'm just throwing it out there to make sure that we're seeing that there is a possibility to quantify. The work that you're getting out of your individuals while still rolling in an exceptional culture, giving them something to work towards, motivating them, caring about them, you're not going – if you're going to delegate 12 hours of work you're not going to get 12 hours back. I always say think about it about 10% less. So if you're delegating 12 hours of work, consider that that's about an hour and 20 minutes or so that you're going to be putting into that team member each week, developing them, communicating with them, making sure that they have support, providing feedback. But you can see that there is a huge ROI that they're completing that 12 hours of work for the one hour, one hour and a half that you're inputting into them to make sure that they're having a great experience and that you're investing that time into them. So, so yes, we are when we bring on new team members, we are going to be investing money because we're going to be paying them. We're also going to be paying to make sure that we're, you know, doing everything right on the compliance side, legally, HR-wise, all of that stuff is a big investment up front. So what we want to feel like is that we're plateauing a little bit at the beginning in regards to our ROI, but then we see an exceptional um, or an exponential jump in the investment that we're making back on our team members. So, finally, that fourth step in making sure that you are able to avoid this big mistake where you're kind of throwing stuff up against the wall and hoping something sticks and hoping you make money on the team member. And a lot of times we're not, you know, we don't maybe feel like we have the time to do that. Um, I'm just here to encourage you to take a couple of hours and follow these four steps. First, creating that brainstorm job description and deconstruct it into three or four main parts or themes. Second, for each section, just choose one or two primary objectives. Third, convert that objective into a measurable number that you can measure your time and money against to ensure that you're getting that ROI. We're not going to have you continuing to hire and employ someone that's not going to be able to fulfill that ROI. So that's where that higher, slow, fire, fast comes in, except that we do want to make sure that we're considering the investment of time and money that we're making on our team members in order to ensure that we're getting that solid ROI there. Finally, this is the fourth step, is to isolate a process in order to turn that qualitative data into quantitative data. So over time, your metrics and KPIs that you're measuring for your team are going to get more and more sophisticated, and they're going to be a little bit more specific and direct. So being able to isolate a process in order to make sure that you're measuring the correct amount of information and not just kind of like hoping for the best is going to be the key in becoming a business that had a team, got results from it, and then continued to scale their business versus a company that had a team, didn't see results, and now is back to solopreneurship. So as complicated or as spicy as that may seem, making sure that you're prioritizing the right things and isolating the processes to give you the exact data that you need so that it's actually moving the needle. So this is where a great... People operations strategist or membership can come into play because we're going to be able to tell you whether or not those metrics that you're measuring are actually impacting your bottom line. So we like to just go on the example of you need to be either be making time or you need to be making money from this person. Primarily in that first role, we'll often see that people are going to gear more towards somebody operationally so that they can get some time off of their plate and make sure that their clients are cared for. Uh, and then that time is just all the things that we do as CEOs on the operation side is passed off to someone else, so we're measuring that through time, and we understand what that value is. But we will often recommend that, and the first employee that we hire is somebody that can actually make us money. So maybe something that we are offloading fulfillment to. So, for example, if we, you know, we have a bookkeeper client, and we they wanted to hire another bookkeeper. So every time that they are able to offload client work to this bookkeeper, they're actually making money on that hire because the client paying four hundred bucks a month and the bookkeeper is making about a hundred bucks per project. So we can see that immediately we're starting to see an exponential increase in not just the money that we're making on the time that's going into it, but also the time of the CEO to go out, seek out, and find additional clients and market and do what they need to do to have a small team that's still in a scalable environment. That bookkeeper, that new hire, is going to continue to get better and better and better and more and more efficient at their job, making that a scalable role within the company. So either way you go, whether it is through the operation side or the fulfillment side, those are usually going to be one of your first hires. With the CEO taking kind of the the head on the marketing and the development on the business development side of the business. However, there may be a different organizational structure that may work best for you and your strengths and what you have going on within your business and what your eventual goals are. So just keep in mind that that quantitative data doesn't, isn't just any old data. It has to be the right data that's going to move the needle in the right direction. And that's the biggest mistake that we see new employers make when they're hiring their first team member is that they're measuring nothing They're just getting things off their plate, hoping for the best, and they're not measuring anything, and then they're not taking that second step to make sure that that time is moving the needle in their business in some way and being really radically accountable to where their time is going or where their money is going based on the hire that they made. So it's not about that initial offloading of tasks or that initial offloading of time. It's what you do with what gets freed up from there. That is the thing that we want to make sure that we're measuring. Okay. So I want to just give a couple of real life examples. So let's say you have a product based business and you're hiring somebody to do sales within your company. Sales examples are always really easy for me. I bring them up all the time in our membership set to scale or on consult calls or whatever because it's a really easy way to explain how these metrics can play into the success of the team member. So first things first, in a product-based business, let's say that you have brainstormed out a job and you figured out that the three main categories or components of this salesperson's job are buyer retention, making sure that their wholesale sale buyers are retaining and they're coming back for more. The second thing is new buyer acquisition. So finding new wholesale buyers to be able to sell your product within their stores or you know whatever the case may be. And the third thing is teamwork and development. So this company may have figured out that while we love to see that monetary output of the buyers retaining year over year, bringing in new buyers, so expanding that you know margin for how much money the salesperson is bringing in. We've also noticed that the salespeople are a little bit more consistent and they do a better job when part of their main focus of every single day is communicating with their team members and being entrenched in the culture of the company as a whole so that they're able to actually speak to the designs and the styles and the products even better because they're able to have relationships with the people that are designing and creating and fulfilling on the orders and the products. So being able to draw attention to the fact that teamwork and development is actually still going to make the money com- the company money because they're able to actually channel some of that culture, the company culture and the creativity and the team as a whole into the way that they're selling to new buyers or retaining old buyers, that is something that we still want to be able to measure because we've seen that there is going to be an impact if we have somebody that is not an inside sales rep, but maybe is an outside sales rep that doesn't have as much integration within the team and within the messaging of this type of product. So you know, this is all very hypothetical. So at the end of the day, we've been able to identify those two main things that seem really obvious, the buyer retention and the new buyer acquisition. But the missing piece and the needle moving piece was the integration of that outside salesperson instead becoming an inside salesperson and being integrated within the culture of the company and the overall message of the brand. That has increased their sales on the retention and acquisition side. Taking it one step further. We want to make sure that we're assigning those KPIs, those metrics to each of the sections of the job. So that at the end of the day, if you were to ask your team member, what are your three focuses within your job? What are your three focus points? And they should be able to rattle them off. I retain our buyers. I acquire new buyers and I work within the team to make sure that I'm integrated within the culture so I can sell better, easier, and we get less returns and there's better expectations set on both sides with more of a community feel. So on that note, From there, they should be able to take those three main focuses and tell you what their goals are. So, for example, in this particular example that I'm making up on the fly, um, if we have our previous year's numbers of buyer retention averages out to 85%, they know that every month if they look at their numbers, they're able to see that they're retaining buyers at at least 85%. As long as they're hitting that number, then they are bringing an ROI into the company so they're able to make sure that they're shooting for and hitting their goal numbers in that way. The second KPI there is maybe they're going to be integrating 12 new wholesale channels per year or $2.2 million in new business. They should be able to look at their numbers every single month without even a leader or manager going over these numbers with them and see where they're tracking in regards to their goals. From there, they're able to actually understand the impact that they're making on the business and how integral their piece and their role is, which makes that third step of teamwork and development even more important. Because even though there isn't quite as simple of a metric that is explaining the value of The new buyers or the previous buyers' retention, or whatever the case may be, being able to take a look at those numbers and really understand where they're coming from. They can also be submitting feedback and product development, ideas, research, reporting, all different types of things with direct quotes from buyers. Let's say they're supposed to do that every single month in a report. That's going to draw their attention to being a better listener with the buyers. So, even just that teamwork and development piece, being able to show that every month they're submitting one report with information from the buyers for how the sales are going, for the feedback on the product, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that other departments can use. And you can see how you can stack on top of this with other departments and what their KPIs are and stuff like that. Um, You're able to actually draw in a cultural perspective for this KPI. So realistically speaking, while it may not seem like you're making money on that submission of feedback, what it's actually the purpose of that section, that teamwork and development section, that integration within the product and the wholesale development of the of the e-commerce brand. when you're able to take a look at that as a whole, And have the attention be pulled in that direction as one of the three things that they're responsible for, their communication, their interactions, their ability to listen, their desire to listen, Um, all of those things that we've seen keep buyers coming back, that personalized approach that is developed as a result of this expectation is actually going to feed in to those sales numbers, because those buyers are going to feel more heard. They're going to know that they have somebody that's listening to their feedback. They're going to see the results of the feedback that they give, and they're going to have a better quality product to provide when they're buying from this e-commerce brand. So in consideration of all of this, just thinking about how all these things weave together, I'm sure that you can think of some examples within your company, whether it be through sales numbers, customer retention, client survey results, being able to use these metrics as a way to pull and direct the attention of your team members into the areas that are needle moving and important for the business that you decide on is actually going to directly impact how they're spending their time each day without you having to micromanage them. So think of these three things as the guideposts or the road in which you're sending your team member down staying focused on the things that you're choosing so that those metrics that can be measured are not just metrics, but they're real guideposts for the direction in which people are working and how they're spending their time. Okay. So finally, I know this is a really dense episode, but I do think this is really important, even if it is for your first employee, just being able to have those measurables is going to make a huge, huge difference. And I'm sure that you can see You know, we've done this now for 75 companies, over 150 employees. I think we're actually getting up into the 300 employee range um, in almost every single state, including Puerto Rico. And the metrics are the same language across the board. So I'm not talking like English and Spanish, but if you're able to have these metrics, it's going to drive success within your company, whether it's your first hire or you're running an agency of 10 people that need these metrics to drive them forward. Removing that piece of micromanagement of having to be on top of people all the time and truly using only 10% of the time that they are giving back to you to invest into them because you're able to really focus on how you can hone in on these metrics and make sure that they are able to succeed in the way that you know that they can. The one example I'll give, and we'll talk about this on a later episode, is that once you have these metrics laid out, it is the employee's responsibility to take them and run, but it's your responsibility as a leader and as a manager to take a look at these metrics and see how you can coach them to get better and better and better. This isn't a throw the metrics against the wall, you better do better. It's actually going to be a language that you can speak as a leader to make sure that you are bridging the gap between the ROI of the company Paying this employee, as well as the work that they're doing each day, staying engaged within their job, and seeing the direct impact of their work, and how you show up as a leader and a coach to make sure you're bridging the gap with the skills that they already have versus what they need in order to get to that next level for those metrics. Being able to do that with numbers is so much easier than trying to figure it out on your own or just saying like, I don't know, I guess if they weren't there, I would just cover their job. We don't want those types of feelings. We want you to need your employees, and that can be really hard to let go of control. Uh, But keeping all of that in mind, we also – when we – are helping people to build out their job descriptions and they're building out everything that they're creating in order to manage their team better. We also want to consider that a lot of companies will measure KPIs that are more than just three KPIs per person, three or four KPIs per person. But we always suggest that you keep it down to those main key objectives. And then from there, you can help build out smaller or secondary KPIs to help them get to their goals. So for example, let's say the same salesperson is having a really hard time with making sure that that buyer retention is averaging out to 85%. So you as a leader, can look at that number and say, for some reason, we're not retaining buyers as much. How much are you reaching out to them? Are you sending them gifts? Have you taken them out to lunch? Have you given them a phone call? What are your follow-up emails look like? Things like that. And then you can create some goals within that major KPI for them to hit. So whether it be doing outreach to each buyer every single month to make sure that our brand is still top of mind, to are they just sending emails that are getting sent to spam or are they also sending them a text? Giving them a phone call, sending them a Valentine—you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. Sending holiday cards, uh, making sure that you're taking an interest in. Oh, we just got this brand new product! I can't wait to show you. I feel like your um, customers are really going to love this. And taking that personal interest, tweaking the language that you're using to do outreach based on retaining buyers. So then it becomes less of this massive retention needs to stay at eighty-five percent to what are the touch points to get there? Now you have six touch points every single month that you're gonna be hitting in order to make sure that any buyers that have been unable to be contacted in the last quarter or somebody we lost last quarter, now we're checking off those six touch points and we're making sure that they're optimized and they're ready to go. So we can turn all of these opportunities into coaching opportunities as well, which a lot of you as leaders are gonna to find to be the best part of management and developing your team. Building these things out as one team, but showing up as a coach with an intention is what a lot of our CEOs and a lot of our clients really, really do great at. And that's where we see a lot of kind of putting that leadership into practice. And women especially are naturally exceptional leaders and exceptional coaches. So being able to like really pull on that innate ability is going to put you in a position to not only have a really successful team, but to also be able to quantify what that success looks like and be able to disseminate and share that within the rest of your team based on where you're putting your value, what it's worth, what you can anticipate for sales. So those two little steps, being able to measure everything, but also when you are measuring it, being able to capitalize on what's left over after you've been able to delegate and outsource these metrics to somebody else. Or I should say in-source, because outsourcing is a little hard to get um, a true ROI on a consistent basis. So on that front, If this sounds interesting to you, check out our new freebie. It's our prior to the hire guide. So even if this is your second or third hire, we're going to dive much deeper into how to build out job descriptions in a way that's going to lend themselves to measurable metrics that are going to ensure that ROI for your next hire. Um, But we look forward to hearing what you think of that. So make sure that you are, or what you think of this episode, if you learned anything, if it was really helpful. Um, So make sure that you leave a review and message me on Instagram if you liked it. On another note, um, make sure that you're heading over to the show notes and downloading that prior to the hire guide where there is a 20-minute training that will walk you through this even more. So again, whether it's your next your first hire or your next hire, or maybe it's your first time hiring within a team as you're a manager within a corporation or something like that, there's going to be a few different things that you can take into consideration as well as a bonus training video where we dive into this a little bit more um, and give you the, the actual framework and a worksheet for how to build this out and get all this done so that you're first hire can be your your next big success. So thanks so much for listening. And I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week.
0: If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say, thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow rate and review on the up and up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of on the up and up.